Good evening and welcome to At Jim Bob Cast with me, I'm Jim. And I am the Lord Bob. <laughs> oh, Bob Old Bean, how has your week been, you merry old fellow? It's been a quiet one, I can say that much. Obviously, being indoors 24-7, had a bit of a shock to the system this week as well with the missus starting to work from home. So, um, <laughs> you know, going from a job 12 months ago where I travelled all the time and hardly saw her, to spending every minute of every day alongside us, certainly proving that it's, it's fun to say the least. But it's been good. How about you? Good? Yeah, not too bad. Um, works very much back into full fettle. There's, I've got a lot of clients out here now because I think a lot of people have tried to escape a little bit. To the and, London uh, Borough of Dubai. <laughs> yes, yes, the London Borough of Dubai. Uh, DXB1 on the postcode if you're a uh, postcode follower. Yeah, no, and, and just um, just sort of back into full swing, really. Um, little Ivy started her homeschooling projects and um, Theo continued to terrorise the Russian and French children of the Atlantis. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's all, all going well, old chap. Look, interesting one to start the piece with. We'll start with our political correspondent, Lord Bob Howe. COVID-19 in football, Bob. It's had a lot of time in the press this week. We, we've, we've, we've steered clear of really getting involved and talking COVID uh, ever since we've done this. But I think the time has come now to really look at it because obviously there's a, a surge in cases within football clubs. And if you look at what's happened just in the FA Cup this weekend, uh, with Derby fielding a next-to-nothing team getting beaten by Chorley in a result that realistically should never, ever happen. And obviously on Friday evening, with Aston Villa fielding a team that had to be delivered to the ground by their parents because they couldn't drive, albeit they held their own for the first half in quite an admirable thing. But, you know, when you get the game becoming farcical because of COVID, and, and the, that rise in cases, several managers now, Steve Bruce come out and suggested that there should be a break. We've had Sam Allardyce before that suggests there should become a break. And you've got other players coming into it. So the Premier League themselves came out again on Friday with an incredibly strong stance to the Premier League sides, almost laying down the law that it was the Premier League's teams' responsibilities for looking after their players. COVID's obviously surging. It's going wildfire uh, in and around the United Kingdom right now. And it doesn't seem that football is missing or escaping the, the spike in cases. Yeah, I don't know. I think we should talk this. You know, we've I had mean, over the Christmas period players breaking the rules left, right and centre. I mean, you say left, right and centre. I mean, look, David Moyes made a very interesting point this week saying, are the players breaking it any more than, you know, Jackie from Bromley or Stan from Bishop Stortford? Uh, probably not, no. Are they, are they professional entertainers and uh, idols to multiple young teenagers who may think that whatever a Premier League star of my favourite club does, I will replicate? Yes, so they do set an example, but so do everyone in their own right. So, you know, it's a, it's a difficult one. Other players of other clubs have fallen short of the mark. I think the people that have fallen short of the mark haven't been punished accordingly. I think clubs should have come out, and I think they're starting to do so now. I think some um, the players who were involved in that Christmas debacle, which was the mixing of the Tottenham and the Fulham player, I believe. Um, the West Ham player as well, there, Sorry. Lanzini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've now had to dedicate a portion of a week's income to a local food bank, which I think is, well, the right thing to do and also quite admirable. So, you know, so they are being punished in a sense. But, you know, a club like Arsenal, for instance, other than my aggravation of, Aubameyang going to the watch shop and not wearing a mask in a tier four lockdown. Arsenal have kept a reasonably straight played with a reasonably straight bat. Obviously, Arsenal, one of the first clubs uh, affected in the Premier League by COVID. Indeed, it was Mikel Arteta testing positive and actually contracting the illness that, that caused the first break in fixtures. In fact, the Premier League broke from playing fixtures before the country was put into lockdown. Now, yeah, I think 
There's been several league postponements. And when I look at these league postponements, I, 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 you can break them up into several different ways of looking at them. Yes, you've got the fact that teams like Spurs now are going to have a lot of games to play in a short space of time. But imagine this, that you're, you're a team now, you've got players suspended or and or injured. If you get a COVID postponement, then obviously the suspension rolls on, but the game that you might have been having that player suspended for might have been a far stronger game than the one that they would be suspended for. Uh, so you could get players coming back from injuries at the right time for clubs. So that's not fair as well. You've also got the, you know, it's fair to say that footballers are incredibly fit. They're not immune to this illness like none of us are. But the one thing is they've got probably a better chance of recovery than Doris the tea lady or Bill the groundsman or John on the security bench, uh, security door at the club. You know, it's, it's fair for people to say that footballers are strong fit athletes. They Agreed. get paid a lot of money, they're privileged, and they should be able to carry on plan. You know, you know, should they? Yes, probably they should. But it's everyone around that support structure at the club that is again at risk. If you have a player training, you need a kit manager to wash the kit. Yeah, I'm sorry. There is a lot of risk around there. There's the risk to everyone involved. There's how the players are behaving. There's how fair it is on the competitions. You know, Derby have been knocked out of the FA Cup this week against Chorley. Aston yep. Villa. You know, a year ago, Aston Villa played Liverpool in a in the League Cup, and Liverpool put their youth team out. This year, Aston Villa had to put what we would say is their under 18 side out. I think now, in my opinion, we are coming to that time that we should be looking to take uh, a break from fixtures to stop the contact. It's a contact sport to stop the contact, to try and slow the positive tests. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, um, it's very, very difficult to ascertain what, <laughs> you know, I, I hear your point around plot. It's a tough one, that. I mean, unfortunately, it's a competitive sport. Um, trophies and professional accolades are important to every club, the best in the country, and obviously those fighting for third-round status to fund their, their following season. So, you know, it's a, it's a really, really, really difficult one to, to discuss. I mean, I assume Klopp had already, you know, I assume that the way in which these teams operate, that they'd already had their team somewhat earmarked for this game seven to 14 days ago. Um, the way in which he manages these players with his, you know, with, with, with his club staff and to massively amend that potentially could have been an issue to, to the way in which these players operate. You know, they purr like finely tuned cars, don't they? So, you know, they also, whilst they need to get rested, they also need to be driven. Yeah, I understand that. You know, that that's, that's an acceptable thing. Um, so I think I think in that regard, it's really, really difficult to sort of go guns on that. What are your views on what Sean Dyche came out and said in the week? I found that quite a fascinating point, where he's come out and suggested that maybe the players should be vaccinated because of the revenue uh, and the money, sorry, that it would save on testing week in, week out. They said that sometimes they're getting tested up to four times a week. All of that costs money and time, whereas obviously a vaccination would allow them to to continue without the, re the requirement for said test. What do you oh, think? I mean, that well, if, if that is believed to be true, that they can be vaccinated and then that is their relationship with can being concerned about COVID over. I didn't know that the evidence was absolutely clear that once you've been vaccinated, you do have complete immunity to it. And I also, think that's actually, pretty evident to be truthful, but, you know, I'm no doctor. I'm no Chris okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the second point I was going to make on that, before we do turn this into some sort of um, medical pod, is can you still be a carrier of the, um, of the virus, even though you can't be affected by it once vaccinated? I really have no idea. I, I, I think, you know, without without making it a medical problem, and I don't want to lie about anything. I really don't know. Hmm. Obviously, there is an immunity, but I, I'm not sure how that how the virus works. Maybe we can look into that and see what happens. But I think the Premier League themselves have 
have sort of laid their stall out that the show must go on, but each club must take responsibility and penalise any player breaching protocol. And if they are found not to penalise any players breaching protocol, then there could be repercussions for the, the team. So I think the Premier League has really come out in quite a professional way, whereas I think potentially the FA this week themselves with regards to the FA Cup could have done better, personally, could have done much better. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just a tough one. I, I don't really want to be drawn to having too big an opinion on it. I think the FA Cup always brings... Um, Always bring upsets and 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 the and the allure and the um and and the savoury elements of the FA Cup shouldn't have that taken away from it. From you know the cup ties that uh, brings the shock results that we're not used to. But um, I think uh, you know beyond that, uh, there's definitely been an effect. I mean, Crawley Town beating Leeds United three 0 this evening. Um, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't believe that watching that game, watching Mark Wright come on in the 90th minute, thinking. He's knocking out Leeds in the FA Cup this afternoon and the lucky bastard gets to go home to Michelle Keegan. I mean, where is it? Why is the world so unfair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he definitely doesn't socially distance from her. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, and I sent you quite a few laughing emojis on that point um, earlier on this evening because you thought that... Uh, Leeds were going to give Crawley Town somewhat of a fisting, and um, I yeah, did. So, I did indeed. Yeah, subsequently, oh boy, it was uh, the reverse. Yeah, so neatly that moves us on to the FA Cup, and obviously uh, we started our defence of the FA Cup, fourteen times winners. Nice to see a silver badge on the side of our shirt uh, with yes. a number fourteen in the top right hand corner, signifying our glory. You know, so Newcastle. Yesterday, went to extra time. Obviously, we won in extra time. Obviously, it all started with the injury to Martinelli prior to the game. Now, I don't think it looks particularly good. There's an injury to the ankle. If you see the videos, he's gone over quite heavily on it. Turned it in, inwards. Uh, looks like a sprain, but again, no doctors over here. We're obviously waiting to hear more from the club, but Arteta said after the game he went and saw him and it didn't look good. I mean, yeah, but that's because also he's a finely tuned athlete. Um, a couple of savoury points of me keeping very much glass half full. Uh, he walked off the pitch and he didn't go to hospital. He sat in the stand for the entirety of the game, which, which in my let's, opinion... Let's, let's, let's put a marker in him going back to our previous point. I, I really don't think with the state of affairs in London at the moment that a footballer going to hospital as almost an emergency precaution when they probably got facilities up the training ground to deal with him this morning. Yeah, but that's, necessarily... it, it, yeah, but Bob, if that's a crack or a break or a fracture or something that requires an X-ray immediately for an athlete of the of just of the insurance requirements probably retrospectively of what um someone like a Gabriel Martinelli would yield that would be absolutely farcical for him to spend 90 minutes in what zero degrees uh, yesterday evening uh, watching that game unfold i mean you stop the swelling <laughs> yeah well but or, on the contrary you'd, you you seize up in the cold it does you no good I know he had a uh, recovery boot or um, one of those um, items on, but uh, look, we, he looked like we, he was a, he was like he was going to participate in the sack race, didn't he? Bless him. Yeah. So look, we we, we will have to see. It, it, it's a great shame. I was quite bitter on Twitter, telling rhymes now. Uh, last evening about that, it, just because I just. I hope he is not the next Jack Wilshere, you know, just buckets and buckets of ability, but just lightning strikes every time, um, you know, they start um, revving the engines because um, that would be super unfortunate for this young lad. Absolutely. So we get the start in 11. We've seen Louise start. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that was good because he combated Andy Carroll really good. William, Pepe, Willock, and by virtue of the Martinelli injury, Nelson all starting as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nelson coming in for Martinelli, Aubameyang starting through the middle, 
Pepe starting on the right, which I was looking forward to seeing him come back. Willock did come into the midfield. I was hoping he would play with Smith-Rowe, but subsequently, notable absentees was the ESR, Laka, Saka, um, Xhaka on the bench. And uh, bizarrely, as the game unfolded, not really a great deal happened. Probably Willock had... Um, sorry, Nelson had two pretty good opportunities early on in the first half. Actually, his first involvement in the game was a fine touch from a chip ball up to him and got it out of his feet and got a reasonable shot off and gone. Dubravka made a good save. And then he had another opportunity sort of six or seven minutes later. And then I think he just he somewhat uh, just faded away a little bit and his involvement became a lot more lacklustre. I totally agree. I mean, I didn't even know it was on the pitch after that, to be fair. It was very, very quiet unfortunately, uh, didn't really have the, you know, I kept on looking for what position he was playing in and I could just couldn't see him on the pitch. Uh, so he didn't really have the the game that he would have wanted. You know, he was given a chance to sort of put himself into some sort of selection position and he, he didn't really do well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what did you, I mean, look, another player, uh, Tierney played and um, and Mary played, and they've continued to um, impress, haven't they? So, Kieran Tierney was was superb yesterday. I felt thought he was our best player throughout the whole match, mm. all 120 minutes of it. I thought Pablo Mary just looked so so comfortable and strong at the back. He he had a great game, played really well with David Luiz as well. Yeah, he did actually. And, yeah, really well. Yeah, no, I thought they teamed up really, um, really, really well, to be fair. Yeah, Tierney was probably one of our most attacking, threatening players uh, for the first 60 minutes of the match. Uh, and obviously now we've talked about Nelson, we've looked at Tierney and Mary. Cedric, uh, you know, you said this to me uh, last night during the game. And you said it was probably one of his worst games in an Arsenal shirt. I mean, that was probably just, I would say, a quarter of the way through the second half. Do you think he continued in that vein or did he come better in the last sort of half hour? Yeah, I, I, he, he, yeah. he sort of matured as the game came on and got a little better. I, I just... I think I just thought we were. I thought we were just a, a little off the mark in the first half. Tierney was probably the person that was pressing the most. El Nenny is the quarterback in an Arsenal team that's what you would call, you know, first team players. Well, I mean, it just it it, it was kind of very for, for very many people that eat rebels. It was the, the sort of face you pull when you get the coffee one first out of the bag. It, you know, it was. <laughs> it, <laughs> He struggles, I think, to move the ball in a forward direction at the best of times. And where I thought that Willock was going to pick that up and be that player, he didn't. And uh, and, and I thought yesterday was actually a, a really good opportunity for Joe Willock to sort of say, well, party will come back in, but no one else has cemented these central midfield players and I want to put my stake in the ground. And uh, I thought actually he played like someone who's who's not actually at the required standard at all, unfortunately. I didn't think he had a great game. He obviously had that header in the second half, uh, which was a good header. He headed it straight down, though, uh, and the keeper managed to save it quite well. I thought the Newcastle keeper had a really good game yesterday, to be fair. Yeah, he was solid, the Bravka. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they defended deep and concise and made it difficult for us and played into our hands, Bruce, about allowing us to put crosses into the box and to, to not really create anything. I mean, another point, Abamyang was the acquired taste yesterday. We had quite, I almost had quite a bipolar game, Abamyang. You know, again, I think I tweeted 25 minutes into the game saying he's even playing. I, I, I'm not sure he's touched the ball yet. Now, he isolates himself, James. He pushes himself too far forward. And that isolation, that... I talk about there. That's it. There's too big a gap between him and the players behind him. And this I think is that's a really, way this is a really, really good point because um, look, we, we've put praise on Lacazette's name a little bit in the last week or so. And, and rightly so. I mean, you know, he scored in what it, he's technically scored now in four of his last five games, albeit contributed to five goals in his last five games. He's coming off the bench and getting the assist for Smith Rowe, uh, which is the breakthrough. But 
you know, there are, I thought it was really notable that um, Lacazette especially was missing yesterday because I, I revert back to the first 55 minutes of the Brighton game and the first 80 minutes of yesterday and it was dead flat. You know, there was no penetration through the midfield. There was no one dropping into the pocket or pulling a player to create a passing line within the parameters of the 18-yard box. All of our play was outside the parameters of the 18-yard box in the two channels. And as soon as Lacazette and Smith Rowe and, Z- and, and Saka came on, and the three of them were working as a combination, and Aubameyang, obviously, off the back of that, was working in that combination also, it's a completely different story. You know, Lacazette straight away just dropped into the pocket, back to goal, strong, dropped the ball off, then Smith Rowe picks the ball up, moves the ball around, and already you pull someone out which creates a passing space. And someone like Tierney, who's got a yard of pace now, definitely, and his distribution's a lot, well, a lot more concise, I think. You know, and you're talking about small minutiae. He gets to get 10 yards closer to the goal, which makes so much difference when trying to pick out a target. You know, you're better with a sandwich than you are with a five iron, you know? And it made a massive difference. And then as soon as they could do that and the two wingers were happy to take the ball, come off their line, you know, Saka picked the ball up, dropped that little ball into Lacazette. Unbelievable for such a young guy just to loop that, uh, say young guy, such a small guy in comparison to the centre-halves, to, to, to loop that into um, Smith-Rowe's path. And then a fine finish, you know, and, and we did not look like scoring a goal in open play like that prior to them coming on. What do you reckon? Well, we didn't look like scoring a goal. And I'm going to just say this now. I mean, I think one of the things that every single Arsenal fan can, can stand in unison with here is that of their opinion of Willian at the moment. He, he's playing badly. He's playing really, really poorly. And I think it's affecting us. And it affects our attacking play. He has no confidence. He's bereft of confidence. And it just shows in everything he's done. He slows the ball down. Every time he gets it, he's slowing the ball down. Compare that to Smith Rowe playing on the half turn, moving the ball quickly. That's a different player. I also thought that when I was watching him yesterday, and I think this might have affected the boy Nelson's game a little bit, that I felt that, William was following the ball around rather than holding a position and stand in position to create space. He's following the ball from left to right to right to left, really following that ball around all the time. So almost saying, please give me the ball, please give me the ball, let me try and do something, let me try and do something. And everything he did did not turn out to be of any degree of quality at all. He is so far short of the required standard, so far short. Uh, I think he's a real, real problem for us at the moment. And I, I, I would say that every single Arsenal fan would agree with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right, yeah. I don't know where you go with that because, you know, Arteta in his post-match interview, obviously he's not going to completely berate at the player. Albeit he, he did have a bit of a dig at Pepe after Pepe was sent off. But, you know, he's saying... You know, Willian showing in training that he's got so much more to give. You know, his time will come. He's doing all the right things, you know, and it's like we will persist with him. And I just sort of think to myself, you just can't be satisfied. Go on. If an actor in a play remembers his lines in every single rehearsal, but then goes on stage on Saturday night and forgets every single line, then the actor doesn't get the part. I'm sorry. You know, he might be brilliant in training, but he's not delivering ever. He's delivered in one game, one game, which was the Fulham game, which was against an incredibly poor Fulham side. That's all he's done. So for him to, you know, fair play, he might be good in training, but, you know, there is another person that's playing well in training by all accounts, and a lot of players are saying that. You know, this is my only moment I'm going to say this. And after this, I'll draw a line underneath it in my, for, for several reasons. If you're not picking Meza Ozil because of football reasons, then I believe you cannot pick Willian because of football reasons. The bloke is not playing well. Football reasons are, can you bring something to the team and play well? The answer on Willian's behalf is zero. He's not, and there are better players there to do it. So I'm afraid he cannot play at the moment. I totally agree. And, you know, I know we don't want to get drawn on on the Ozil situation. 
But yeah, I just I look at players yesterday who played and who, who have not been in form and have been awaiting their chance. Nelson, Pepe, Willian, to name a few. And Aubameyang, but he has been playing, but he needed to do something or find something. Willock especially as well. They're the four, not Aubameyang. Willock missed his opportunity, did not take it in my opinion. David Luiz absolutely took his took, took his uh, chance, I think. Kept a clean sheet, dealt with Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll, as I said on Twitter, last of the shithouse, um, centre-forwards, you know, big, brash, not so technical, but it has ability, but a fucker to manage. I mean, you know you've played against Andy Carroll when you sit down on the bench after 90 or 120 minutes of, uh, of feuding. And, and Luiz really, really dealt with him, to be fair. Cedric, you know, Bellerin's probably not losing any sleep. And and I look at Pepe and William because they play in the same position. Both of them know that Saka is making a bit of a mockery of the wide front free player position at the moment. And I thought Pepe, he really tried to do something yesterday. Do you know what I mean? I felt like he, he, he always wanted the ball. He was busy. He tracked. He was all over the final third of the pitch. You know, showed some good skill to lose a man, but, you know, shots were just wide of the post or... Or whatever, you know, he he always kind of looks like one percent away from the Sheffield United goal, for instance. Where where William, I, I just I can't. He's supposed to be an absolute dead ball specialist, and even his corner taking, you know, they're looped in, they're high, they're towards the back post. They're not in a you know coming in with snow on them a little bit, like a Gary Owen, and sixteen yards out from goal. You know, no one's scoring ahead of from that. Yeah, yeah he, I think he, there's only one bloke that's had a worse week than Willian this week, and that's Donald Trump. I think Willian's had an atrocious <laughs> week. You know, everything you've just been talking about him is true. I just, you know, Arteta's going to have to stop picking him. It was a perfect, perfect game from yesterday. You're absolutely right. And it was his chance to shine, and he was dull as dishwater, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really know where you go with it, old boy. Well, uh, well, we'll probably see what unfolds in the next few weeks because obviously we've got we've got eight games in the next thirty days. You know, we'll sit here in a month's time or thirty days' time after playing eight whole games, and that's a lot of football. So we'll see how our squad develops and is used over that period of time, and how much or how well Willian comes on or doesn't come on at all. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you say Pepe. I think Pepe with himself, he's. He, we, we, we bang the drum about this now, but obviously with Saka's resurgence on the right and Lacka's, Lacazette's resurgence in the middle, that it's going to be hard for Pepe. But he just needs a, a run in the side. He's got the credentials. He's got the ability. The, you, know, you said it to me last night. He's incredibly left-footed. And I said, he's so left-footed. He's more left-footed than Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know, he's just got, the ability to do it, Pepe, he just needs that chance. Unfortunately, the way the team's playing without him, that's going to be hard. Willock, I think he needs a loan. Uh, I think he needs to play a lot more, Willock. He, he doesn't need to play once every three weeks or come on as a sub or, you know, just play. He needs a regular run in the side that playing football. And I think that will bring him on leaps and bounds, personally. Yeah, Willock's a funny one. He... He has shown that he has ability in previous games and he did get beyond the, the last line and get into a position for that headed goal. Something that Ceballos just doesn't actually, he's not, I don't know whether he's even got it in his game, but he's just not able to do it. And, you know, and he's young and he's raw. I, I, they've talked in the transfer window. I know we're going to get into transfers doing our weekly roundup in a moment. And he has been a player with Nelson that's been earmarked for a loan. I actually think after watching that game, that's very, very, very sensible man management. Both of them will benefit from playing regular first team football in their retrospective correct positions week in, week out on a Absolutely. loan. On a, yeah, on a loan basis. Do you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> Lovely. So you know, and that's that. So you, again, we said it in earlier pods. I want to persevere with Pepe. I want him to play a run of games, but it's very difficult now because you know what, how, why, how do you not play Sakri? Came on the pitch and created something which created a chance, which led to a goal-scoring scenario, as did Smith Rowe, 
as did Lacazette. And I'm 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 sorry for Aubameyang, but if Aubameyang now wants to play in this side, he has to settle for the fact that he is not the best number nine at the club at the moment. Now he got his goal yesterday, which was inspired piece of play by Granit Xhaka, and then Tierney, for all his hard work, finally got rewarded with his assist. And like I said to you, why I would have played Aubameyang on the Thursday nights, just get him two yards out and just let him put the ball in the net. That would do him no end of good. And you saw all of a sudden he had his smile back. All the guys were happy for him on Instagram story. I think I think that goal's going to really turn his season. At least I hope it. Uh, you mentioned Pepe again. With those eight games in 30 days that I've previously mentioned, Yeah, eight games in 30 days and you've got the fact that we are likely to be missing Martinelli for a period of those, uh, likely to maybe be ins and outs with loans and things like that. Saka ain't going to play 90 minutes a game for all of those. Pepe will get a chance and it's up to him. He cannot afford, he can't afford to turn in the bedroom with a semi. He has to become fully ready to go, I'm afraid, <laughs> and not miss a chance. I'm sorry, he has to be brilliant. Yeah, he, he doesn't need a... He doesn't need a COVID vaccination. He needs a blue pill. Defo. You mentioned that substitutions last night. Yeah. Uh, Ian Wright said it himself. He said the blokes were brought on to do a job at the beginning half, didn't do the job. So Arteta calls to his um, his elite, his A team. And he's made some really, he made the substitutions during that game. So obviously. But that's interesting that you say that. Straight away. So, so look, you quote. Ian Wright there, he's 18. That's two boys under the age of 20 and a player that just about everyone in the fan base wanted to sell in the summer and significantly... Me included. Me included. Yeah, and also were thinking about in the run-up to December, January, can we move this guy on? You know, so it's the, the, the minutiae that football work in are, are, are mesmerising. But it's a fickle old well, mate. It's a very fickle well. Yes, yes, yes. But the fact that Arsenal are now reliant on such youth players, I said this point to you. We have the biggest squad in the country from because we've not been able to register all of our overseas players. But it is so lightweight. That had to go all the way back to to Wenger, to be honest. That is just poor, poor, poor management from everyone from the head coach through to the ownership uh, to be in that position, you know, because we are absolutely now reliant upon Saka and and Smith Rowe, as well as Lacazette, who, who, you know, who was a, I think he's what, our third, our third highest ever signing or something like that. So, you know, he's rightfully um, being asked to be called upon and is is, is producing. But there's no other club in the land who share the kind of categorization of the club size that Arsenal do that are so reliant on raw academy products as us. And that needs to get revisited, Bob, when we come into this transfer period. Yeah, I do. I, I agree with you, everything you just said there. You know, the fact that, you know, Shaka coming on the pitch and playing in the centre of the park. He was the, he was almost like a catalyst for the, the game change. And he had a brilliant game last night. And he was such an improvement to what was playing in the centre midfield. It really turned the game in our favour. So him and Smith Rowe came in along with Saka. And all of a sudden, it's like a flipping of a coin. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde performance. Arsenal go from being, you know lacklustre and benign to playing fine attacking football, moving the ball forward quickly and smoothly with lots of variation. Mm. And it was good. But I said it to you last night, you know, having Xhaka as an improvement to your midfield is that of having no roof on your house, but use <laughs> an umbrella to stop yourself getting wet. It's not fixing your situation. It's just solving a small problem. You know, we, we can't be holding aspirations potentially of European Champions League football when you're looking at players like Xhaka and calling on players that are that this time last year were, were children to turn games for you in this day and age. It's just not how it's done. Because Xhaka will, he's, he's got a bad attitude. We've seen that before. That will flip around again and he will have a run of bad games like he always does. And the young players, they will have an inevitable dip in form. They will maybe potentially suffer that degree of burnout that young players do. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, just to go back to the start of your point there, I thought Jackal was phenomenal when he came on, actually. I, I thought he was such an almighty upgrade from El Nenny on the deep-lying playmaker position. And El Nenny actually grew into the game when he could fulfil his box-to-box shithouse role where he plays his best football when he's only required to pass the ball five yards sideways to someone technically far better than him. It was what he was enabled to do when Jacka came onto the pitch. And Jacka's range of passing in the last month now has been significantly better. So uh, credit to Arteta or his team, if they're the people working with him or getting him in the pocket or he's just having a fine run of time on the pitch. But he is now starting to distribute the way in which Arsenal need a player playing in a midfield free to do so. Because you do get that range of passing from Party. He looks to have quality in those kind of Yeah, I'm looking positions. forward to Party coming back. Yeah, and, and that would probably be my free right now, Bob. If I was playing my full strength side and we go on to the next games, um, Party, Xhaka, Smith, Rowe would probably be the free I'd look for. You know, and I There's think no doubt about it. Yeah, and you're right, there isn't. And I don't think there's any competition for those three at the moment, you know? Which is a bad state of affairs. So, we talked about Xhaka in a way, a bit of an unsung hero. Burnt Leno, what a save at the end from Andy Carroll. You know, we were out then, but brilliant goalkeeping, brave goalkeeping. He's been brilliant this season, Burnt Leno. Uh, some stats earlier on that were phenomenal about how many clean sheets he's made or kept, uh, the amount of minutes. Phenomenal, burnt, brilliant, burnt, you know, saving penalties. Yeah, I'm very content with him between the sticks at the moment. When we talk about transfer windows, you'll, we'll, we'll relive the pain that it's, it's him or nothing in goal. But yeah, Burton and I was brilliant again yesterday. Really commanding the box. Looks a lot happier now. That I think he looks a lot better since he's been playing with Mary, to be fair. I just I think Mary's brought something into that defence of almost like a, a statesman-like defender. Not going around doing fancy things, but just doing the minimal stuff brilliantly well. Yeah, um, you know, Burnt Lennon's come under unnecessary scrutiny because Arsenal sold Emmy Martinez this year. They also then decided to shit on Leno from a greater height by signing Runnison, who is complete dog's mark. So the pressure and focus on him now to make a mistake is so much more intense that on the flip side, actually, when he shows his ability, which he has done very, very consistently for Arsenal, you know, uh, in his career at Arsenal, I can think of some really, really fine moments from Leno. You know, he, he deserves the relative praise and... You know, Arteta and his guys, they're no schmucks. Albeit Arteta's first job, he's been in the sport for decades. You know, you know a great goalkeeper when you see one. And they were very fortunate to have the very hard decision to pick either. And subsequently, Martin is having a fine season at Aston Villa, as you'd expect. And and Leno's having a fine season at Arsenal. Um, He is indeed. And yesterday was one of those games where... He just showed his quality throughout the whole game. But I think he will go. He will gain and grow in confidence when he thinks the four in front of him are fighting for him as well. And he sees the team at the top of the pitch now creating more chances and scoring, which actually gives him something to defend, which is fantastic because that's got to be good for your confidence. Uh, you know, it's a bit like a, a Broad or Anderson. You know, you turn around and say to... You know, Meta, Sibley, Root and the gang, Burns. Are you ever going to score any fucking runs? We've got something to actually bowl at, you know, or or you ask us to pull rabbits out of the hat again. So if he's seeing the team now convert chances in open play, they're giving him something to really want to um, cover his goal in. And I think I've read earlier that he's had 10 clean sheets in 27 games this season or in his last 27 games, which is a fine That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he's broken a duck for some period of time in open play. I genuinely cannot remember the last time an Arsenal goalkeeper saved the penalty in open play, i.e. not a shootout, pre that Petr Cech versus Watford. I don't remember. I thought there was a stat saying Petacek never made a penalty save for Arsenal. No, no, he did. He did. He, pretty much right at the last knockings. It was against Watford, I believe. Mm, interesting old B. Um, uh, okay, I was. Um, I, I'm not shocked, and you are. Um, you are the resident stato, so I'm going to take full. I'm going to take your full word on it. We'll uh, we'll go with that. I, I thought it, the match itself was a game of two halves. I know that's a football cliche. It was the first sixty minutes with William and zero goals, 
and the second 60 minutes without Willian and obviously a much more upbeat football from Arsenal. You know, Willian's, <laughs> but we don't want to beat him here. Decent CV, very good player, but right now, just move on from him. Leave that one alone. Let's draw a line under Willian for the moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Smith Rose sending off, then VAR intervening. I've got, I'll be honest with you, James. When <laughs> I heard the scream, I saw the way it happened. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought it was a red card at that moment. Second, you see replays on that, you can see it wasn't a red card. Yeah. Uh, VAR intervened. The decision was reversed. In fact, I think a harsh yellow. Yeah, it probably was, you know. Oh, it was lovely, wasn't he? Uh, Smith Rose, show, really showing his age, what a puppy he is. And, um, uh, yeah, generally look concerned that the bloke was very hurt and also saying in his post-match interview how Rory is, like, you know, I've never been sent off, never had to feel that feeling before. It was horrible, hated it. His heart went right up into his throat. Yeah, bless him. And what a cup story, you know, having that rescinded, which was the correct decision by the ref. Whether they left him with a yellow or not, it's redundant, but... You know, and, and then obviously going on and scoring there, what, you know, was a decisive goal at the time. So, yeah, you know, Smith Rowe has been brilliant. He, he Again, he was one of the three players or four players yesterday that showed that the team just do not operate in the same gear without him now. So to have that impact on that side within 300 minutes of football is a phenomenal feat. I just think the way that Smith Rowe, Lacazette and Saka all work together is really making us tick at the moment. They're, they're a much closer-knit bunch. They're holding positions. They're looking for the ball and the movement. They're always looking to score. They're always looking to attack. Uh, and I think what you'll see in the next few weeks, if they get the opportunity to continue in that way, will you'll see a Bamiyang incorporated into that. And as a front four, obviously with the likes of Tierney coming back into it, Party mm. coming back into it, and the aforementioned Xhaka, I think you'll start to see Arsenal really kicking on. Well, we hope that we'll see that. We've made comments like this, certainly after the Man United game earlier in the season. We said one swallow doesn't make a summer. <laughs> uh, in, in this situation, obviously, I do take umbrage by people sending me 1-4 on the bounce. That was after extra time. So in technical terms, it was three wins and a draw. Yeah. But we have outscored the opposition in four consecutive football matches, albeit one of them went to extra time, yeah. uh, which is the first time we've done that. Lots of goals, lots more chances in that game. You know, yesterday we had, you know, something ridiculous in the way we had chances in that game. Like 27 chances, I think it was, which obviously when you go to extra time, you're going to get more opportunities. Yeah, it was 24 shots, nine on target, uh, 10 off target uh, and five blocked. You know, Newcastle in comparison had 12, two, four and six. Uh, we had 61.2% of the possession as well. So, you know, I think we've done much better when we obviously changed the personnel. Uh, those substitutions really, really kicked on for us. And that was it, really. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think the future looks bright in in all of those regards. So, yeah, we just got to carry on building on it, mate. Momentum, momentum, momentum. The games are coming thick and fast, as you've as, as you've recalled. There's, there's a couple of winnable league games now with Palace and Newcastle, and still uh, 21, 22 days left in the transfer window to do some in and out business, which we're going to come on to now. So. Where do we start transfer window, Bob? We, you've got some points on the agenda. So obviously the, the biggest news that's really coming to surface this week, and obviously nothing is confirmed yet, it looks very much like Meza Ozil will be leaving the club in this window. Fenerbahce, his almost certain destination. Uh, lots of things happening on social media to suggest that's where he is at the moment and where he's likely to stay. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too drawn on the Ozil situation about talking about his career in the abbreviated commas at Arsenal until we actually uh, draw a line under um, under his employ. But yes, there is quite a lot of news, a lot of musings coming out. I, I think there's a long way to go. So as we start this transfer situation, I just want to bring it live now on the pod because you and I have discussed it. And 
it was touted by someone quite reputable that we had received an offer, I think, of between seven and eight million euro for Mohamed El Nenny for him to go to Besiktas in Turkey, funny enough, I believe. And the argument over whether or not it's easy for Ozil to leave Arsenal in January is because he he has one further loyalty payment due to him, which I believe is the remainder of his contract, actually, for the sum of €8 million. Euro. Now, I just don't understand to clear 410... If we just agree, and John Cross is God, that Ozil's on £350,000 a week, which I, you know my opinion on this, I don't... Use. I do indeed. And I believe it's touted that Mohamed Elneny earns around about three million euros um, a year. So that has him on 50 to 60 million euros a week. I don't know why you don't go cash neutral on the payout, i.e. Elneny's sale pays for Ozil's contract release, and you don't see there being a benefit in removing 410,000 per week from your wage bill. It, it just seems like really simple business now to me to do that. Because you've, you've now got available wages in your wage structure for a serious, serious midfielder. I mean, I can't think of a central midfielder that goes box to box with technical ability on bigger wages than Paul Pogba. And he's on, what, £250,000 per week. So convert yeah. that to euro, it's like 270000 So you'd still have a fuckload of change for one, two other players thereafter. So why I just don't understand why you don't do that, that deal. I just don't get it. I, I really don't. And you know, especially when we're now going. So now we're going through the transfer window. It's been it's been touted, doesn't it, Bob? This week um, we use Twitter a lot for our um, for, for, for our forthcomings. That both Terea and Gwenduzi's loan deals are due to be cancelled, and they will return to their parent club. Yeah. Which I actually believe that's bollocks in both regards to be honest because um they would have done it by now you know you're 10 days into a window if they didn't want them they would have sent them back on the first so yeah that's true so yeah uh, certainly depends on the style of them i think they're looking to from what the report suggests is bringing terrain back with a view to moving him to fiorentina so i think all the while he's at obviously at atletico madrid uh, they're paying his wages yeah. So I think they might want to get the Fiorentina deal, if if it's true, a bit more concreted in before they make the decision to to bring him back. Because obviously, once they brought him back, they got paid wages. And again, you don't want another player that's surplus to requirements because he will be in the uh, overseas player category. With the boy Guendouzi, uh, he's he's had a reasonable start to his career at Hertha Berlin. Lots of things on Twitter saying Arsenal looking to bring him back with a view to maybe play him or sell him. Uh, it would make sense if they moved someone like El Nenny on to bring him back into the squad. That would be sense. I could see the sense in that point. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't see the sense of bringing him back to sell him unless there was a lucrative big offer on the table for him. Because yeah. I, I, can, I can only see him continuing to bolster his value by playing in Germany. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's playing for her for Berlin and playing well and playing regularly. So he's getting minutes. Yeah. And then, and then Terea, you've mentioned before, he's being strongly associated with Fiorentina. So he could just hop a plane straight from Spain to Italy, couldn't he? I think that's a likely thing. If, if, if there's any truth in that, that is something that I think Arsenal will want to do. You said it last week and we've said it a lot of times and I agree with you and your point that I think Terea has played his last game for the club. Yeah, no, I think it absolutely has. I think the the piece that came out on his Twitter, um, which somewhat attacks the English FA's etiquette and decorum and the standards that they set for people that are playing football in this country, makes it very difficult for Arsenal to re-employ him. Yeah, and I, I think he's just not settled here. His best friend now plays for Aston Villa. He hasn't really got any friends in the club. I'm, I, I mean, I imagine for established footballers, returning to your parent club from a loan must be really difficult, you know? Six months is a long time in football to come and try and re-establish yourself back into that team, even though you know some of them. If you're not completely competent with the language and you've missed 25 to 30 games of football, it, it must be like re-signing for a new club. You know, that it must be really tough. So well, I, I speak on my own experiences of something like that. Last year, 
being one of the millions of people that did happen to be put on furlough, when I went back to work, it, it was almost like you're starting a new job. Uh, a lot of uh, tenterhooks around how you're feeling and everything on that first day back sort of thing, albeit working yeah. from home. You know, so I can, you know, with football, even more so, because obviously players have got relationships, parties come in, El Nemi's come back in as well. Yeah. Uh, and they've all forged a level of relationship there. You've got Smith Rowe, you've got Saka. The whole dynamic of the team has potentially moved on from, you know, Terrera obviously was a, was there for Emery all the time. And, you know, whether Arsenal's moved on to being a slightly happier place in recent weeks, I can agree with. But I think it's certainly, albeit we had that dipping form on bad form this season, it was still looking like a happier place than what it was previously. No, I agree. Um, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I just don't think either of those players will come back, but I do think both of them possess the ability to be better than what we've currently got. So, uh, again, it's just one of those ones we'll watch follow out. There seems to be quite a lot of Deadwood looking to move out. That's the first time I've not seen a fringe game, I can remember, where he's been fit that Mustafi's not been involved. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Socrates and Mustafi looked to be hot trotting it out of the Emirates Stadium. Mm. Uh, you know, the Emirates car boot sale is now on. <laughs> Do Arsenal yeah. currently have a bigger sale than DFS going on, James? Well, I mean, they, I would offer everything as well as the interest-free credit, free home delivery, free installation, whatever they need, mate. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if we can get those two guys off the wage bill, I just think Arsenal's relationship with Mustafi just has to come to a close now. And fortunately the light is at the end of the tunnel because if they physically can't sell him for a fucking pound or a Mars bar in six months' time, it's just dead anyway. And he is long forgotten with the emergence of Mary and Holding playing regularly quite well. Louise just slotting in after four games or five games off and playing well again. And we know that the boy Gabriel has had a very good start to his Arsenal career. There's four solid centre-backs there. There's just no, no need for, unfortunately, because I hate to say it because he's English Chambers, Mustafi and Socrates. So, you know, just move the three of them on in whatever capacity you can. Yeah, and then, you know, there was, a, there was some musings this week about Enketia going to um, Wolves and West Ham. You're talking about big yeah. fees as well, 25, 30 million quid. But that's what had the proverbial bucket of water thrown over it with um, Paul Martinelli going over on his ankle. Yeah, I mean, I still think if someone came with 30 million for Eddie Nketiah, Arsenal would be muppets to turn it down. I think anything north of 20. I thought I thought Rianne Brewster going to Sheffield United for 23 million was an audacious deal. How outrageous the chap at Liverpool negotiating that. But if they can get anything in the same kind of ballpark as that, then it's a good deal for Arsenal. Agreed, agreed. Obviously, we touched on them earlier. Nelson and Willock, I'd hope to see go out on loan. Hmm. Uh, but with all this dead wood moving on, you know, what's going to come in? You know, the keeper issue is, well, is Matt massive. Macy, well, we haven't mentioned it because he never plays, but Matt Macy has officially left the club. He's gone to Hibernian in Scotland and we wish him well. Absolute giant of a man. A good-looking goalkeeper as well. Six foot seven or something he is. So, so we only have two first-team keepers now. They've promoted the young lad from Mathsackers Academy who's now training with the first team. Uh, yeah, no, and obviously, you know, people have their opinions about uh, runner, 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 runnerson. So we need a keeper. I like the guy Raya at Brentford. But for me, a centre-back is something that the club have got to take a look at because Louise will leave in the summer, that will leave them one short. And I think four is actually quite light when you play Europa League football because there's so many more. Yeah, it is. So, you know, but then obviously we've got Saliba coming back in the summer and, you know, now he's gone out on loan. Obviously, I hope he, the game time is really good for him. So He was man of the match for Nice in his debut. Yeah, but some people were saying he was actually quite shit. So, you know, I hate this kind of... I'm, look, you've said that, and I take your word as my, uh, you know, your gospel. You're my Allah, so um, I'm, I'm going to say that he's played once and uh, had one good game. So let that continue. Uh, so yeah, he's got to come back in, so that's good, and hopefully he continues that good form. So there's that part there. But for me, I mentioned it earlier in the show, central midfield. We are so short on. We need two central midfielders. Now that might be reintegrating Gwendozi. Torreira's career at Arsenal is completely done, in my opinion. 
So Gwenduji can come back and take one of those spots. And don't get me wrong, Gwenduji's had many a fine game for Arsenal. So he's, he's, he's not a bad footballer. No, not at all. But they are one player short. You mentioned in the notes Julian Brandt. Well, that's a, a funny deal for me. Is it? Well, it's a deal because it seems from what, I've been reading this week that Dortmund want to move the player on in some way, shape or form. And if it's true that Arsenal are looking at him and keen on him, but if you've got one team wanting to sell and one team wanting to buy, you know, it's a, it's a smile and a hand job and the deal's done, isn't it? You know, <laughs> so there's, it's, it's, is there any truth in that rumour about Julian Brand? I certainly think the, the boy Bundia He's being referred to as a £40 million player at the moment. That's much too rich for our blood for a player of that calibre. Whereas the £25 million or the loan offering that's potentially been banding about for Julian Brandt, I, I just think to myself, you know, is that some buen, level of deal? The Buendia deal links to the fact that Norwich looking at young, talented cams in and around this league, and they're like, well, if Grealish is £100 million, Wendy is at least 40. Uh, they must have seen that and thought, here we go, you know. But then also there is an element of we're desperate to hold on to this player if we're going to get back into the Premier League and stay there. So, you know, it's worth our waiting goal. It's, it's kind of back to the whole sort of Mares thing when he stayed at Leicester, you know. You think back to when Arsenal offered, what, 50-odd million and then there was the second season we offered more. Then City ended up prizing him away because you just can't say no eventually when the money gets so big. I'm not even sure if Arsenal got to 50. It might have been 40. That was good enough to say no to, but he went for, what, 50-plus, didn't he, in the end to City? So it's the same kind of concept, right? But if I was going to spend 40 on him, I'd sooner spend 80 on testing Aston Villa's resolve on Grealish, you know? Yeah, Brand at 25 million euros seems like a different kind of prospect. But you mentioned it in the last show about a player I'm particularly fond about. And I would sooner test Liverpool's resolve for 25 million euros on Gigi Wijnaldum with six months left on his contract than I would a Julian Brand. So, yeah, no, I think these are all things that need to be tried because we do need to bring players in. You cannot get rid of all your wood and still expect to keep a fire lit because we're, we're a couple of injuries away from total implosion yeah and and i and in response to that you know you're absolutely right which member of the management team is the match you know is it edu because i I just don't know well he's got to do something you know he's not come out and normally he's doing interviews and we get a little bit of an insight it's been very 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 quiet on um his regard and the, and the, the management have been able and fortunate enough now to hide behind four wins in a row but, yeah, they've got from, to go about their work. From Fine. history, and history does suggest to us, James, that when Arsenal are quiet, it means something's occurring. I just It's, it's odd, though, because we're not being linked properly. You know, you do not keep deals secret anymore. There, there is, you know, the Ozil deal was the last deal that was kept so secret. And then Other was than Kim Kallstrom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but the Ozil deal is a deal that actually people pay attention to, not just signing some reprobate with a broken back, blessing old Kim. But, you know, that happened in 24 hours. And still to this day, in my opinion, no matter how we played, just because the stature of the player is still the greatest transfer deadline day signing of all time. You know, that was just unbelievable, really, how that's just sort of, um, like you said, just from the medical in Germany to the waggling of dildos in uh, in N4. It was just a fine 24 hours, um, of which we, in that period of time, beat Spurs as well. That was outside Aston Villa's ground or Everton's ground. That. That, that didn't actually happen at the Emirates, that indiscretion with a rubber sex toy. <laughs> oh, right, OK. I thought that was a... Um, situation so um, okay no no, um, no he wasn't able for that glory yeah okay so yeah there's just not been enough talk mate to be honest you know a lot of no one of, of any substance you know like Fabrizio Romano or someone of that ilk you know an Ornstein and really linking us properly they're just sort of Arsenal have got options you know and that's it and they, they don't know what they've got to spend at the moment because they're too trying they're trying too hard to clear house but no clubs been linked to Mustafi 10 days in. No clubs. 
and Socrates, it looks like they're talking about cancelling his contract. So if they just agree, yes, we'll do that, then it's just about him finding a new employer. And there's um, rumours of him going to Turkey. There's also rumours of him going to Genoa. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the Torreya switch to Fiorentina thing, would that be a permanent deal? I'm not sure. We'll have to... Um, but I'd imagine so. We'll have to look out. But yeah, it's still quite quiet in all, really. And... Um, we're, we're in the just, words of Bjork, it's also quiet. Yes. So on that note, Bob, let's finish with predictions for Palace and yes. for Newcastle and wish these merry lot a um, a good week. Yeah. So Palace on the 14th, you know, if we played a team of the right side, and for that, I think the right side's Leno, Bellerin, Mary, Gabriel, Tierney. Party's backs are playing. Party, Xhaka, Smith-Rowe, yeah. Sakalaka and Aubameyang up front. I see us beating Palace there. You know, Sahar's their only threat, really, to us. If we, you know, you cannot start William. So put the strongest side on as we hopefully get a stranglehold on the game, start to bring some players off to save the engines. But yeah, I expect us to beat Palace. It's at home. It's at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expect them to I expect to win quite comfortably Palace's run of form has been draw, loss, loss, draw, win, loss and obviously they score four goals and have conceded 13 they lost against Liverpool 7-0 yeah, they so I think did, we'll yeah. beat them uh, I okay. think we'll beat Palace 2-0 I'm going to say 2-1 and I am going to say Saka is going to score Aubameyang's going to score nice and then new and I and I actually because he's not fit, Martinelli. I mirror your eleven. I'm absolutely ecstatic with that. Uh, if that starts the game, so um, yeah, let's go with that. Then the Newcastle game, um, probably the only switch I would bring. I would agree with you, what you said um, off air would be bring Louise back in for for Gabriel to to deal with the fact that they'll probably start Carroll. And I would play the the, the remaining ten. Uh, would start. I, I may think about bringing Maitland Niles in for Tierney. I really think that Tierney needs some form of rest, and we have not got a backup left back. So um, Tierney, Tierney needs a rest, hundred percent. So yeah, so maybe think about that. But um, other than that, knowing KT and the way in which he trains, he probably be, he probably tell you to f off and say no, no, no I'm I'm good to play every day <laughs> if I need to. So um, yeah, and I think we'll beat Newcastle two nil. I agree. Mirror, mirror everything exactly there. And um, Laka will get uh, again amongst the goals again in that game. And I'm going to say Abamyang again. Okay, so you're going. You're now of the opinion that Abamyang's going to go a bit purple, yeah? I I think Arsenal are playing better in when they have a certain lineup and playing a certain way, and I think that will contribute to Abamyang scoring more goals. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, good for him. And I hope he does because he is, when he's in goal scoring form, he is one of the best in the game. And uh, I think every footballer, it's fair to say, if you're you know, in that final third position, when you're in the goals, you know, you're just, um, you've just got an extra yard of everything. So um, well, the ball just seems to find you in the box and then it seems to just end up in the back of the net. Yes, uh, you yeah. know. it all becomes a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. A bit like, a bit like uh, Lacazette's fourth goal of his recent uh, purple patch. You know, I think he's off his knee when we beat West Brom four nil. The first one was a was a very good finish. You know, is yeah. well, talking about strikers and scoring goals. A friend of mine said to me earlier on, uh, "Name a football fact that sounds fake but is in fact true." And talking of strikers and purple patches, Michael Owen never scored more than 20 league goals in a single season for any club he played for. There you go. There's a little factoid for you. So did he actually score 20 in a season? I think he scored 20, but never scored more than 20 league goals in a season. That's probably largely to do with the fact that I don't remember him ever being fit for an entire season. There you go. Yeah, you're absolutely right, you know. I think the length of career the boy had. Yeah, no, no, but but he was actually really only good for his youth years. I, you know, he did not, he wasn't like a fine coat de Rome, you know, he did not mature with age. And I, and, and he had I, hamstring I, issues, didn't he? Yeah, and I, don't, I, I do not enjoy him as a commentator. And I met him once at Royal Ascot, actually. He's a fanatical uh, horse owner. And, he is a um, horseman. 
And yeah, he was prickly then. So yeah. I'll tell you who is another bad commentator, Danny Murphy. Oh yeah, you mentioned this to me yesterday. I was um I was benefiting from my uh, young friend on being sports. I forget her name, but she was uh I told you yeah. yesterday. Yeah, the, the boy, Danny Murphy, poor commentator. Uh, you know my views on Jermaine Genus. I think a lot of Arsenal fans dislike him. He's recently, you've been obviously not watching this, but he's been re- rearing his little head on the one show every night last week. Really? God, it makes my skin itch. Carrie Brown was her name. She uh, she really let her opinion be known about Aubameyang and Willian yesterday. They do not. They are two negative batteries. They should not be facing one another. They do not find a way in which they can play on the same pitch. And I'm pretty sure one trumps the other in regards to credit in the bank. Whilst we're talking about commentators at my business lunch today, Patrice Everett walked in with his pregnant wife to uh, sit down and dine. And uh, as controversial uh, pundits go, I think he's probably leading that race. Um, oh, he's, he's top. He's top draw when it comes yeah. to controversy. He uh, he doesn't engage his brain before he opens his mouth, and he just says things that you should not say. I know, phenomenal, uh, isn't it? And I really wanted to, but I was absolutely stuck in the middle of a uh, of a deep conversation about a planning consent on a hundred and fifty unit development. So I couldn't go and say to Patrice. Patrice, did Thierry actually back up that Xhaka story? But anyway, I thought you might have gone and asked about the David Moyes thing. But anyway, moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's wrap up there, old Bean. Always a pleasure to um, spend time on the um, on the airways with you, and um, no doubt we will catch up next week. As always, I have been Jim, and I've been Bob. See you soon, folks. Bye bye for now. <laughs>